But I thank God. And then I preach in some places where God's never been. And uh, somebody said, how do you know that? Because I prayed about the meeting. He said, yeah, you have a good time over there. I ain't never been over there. And, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that the Lord, Jacob said, the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I thank the Lord for it. Proverbs chapter 22. And uh, we'll read our text verse, verse number 6. And uh, somebody said, preacher, this don't fit with the day. Yeah, it does. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Somebody said, preacher, how does what's happened here today, how does that verse apply to it? I am training my children up in this way that they should go. And my prayer is that when they get old, they won't depart from it. We've been talking about this verse the last couple of Sunday services at least. We said that in this verse there is a word about instruction. It means to, says train up. The word train, it means to educate, to teach, to bring up. There's an individual, train up a child. There is an identification in the way that he should go. And there's an independence and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. We understand that is a principle, it is not a promise. The book of Proverbs is filled with many of those principles. Somebody said, well, I think they're promises. Well, you take that one, a soft answer turneth away wrath. When that fellow pulls a gun up and pulls it up in your head, screaming at you, robbing you, and you say, well, let's just take it easy now. You know, let's just do that. That's not going to turn away his wrath, all right? And that's just a good principle, hoping that he has the sense that God gave a billy goat that he'll think about what he's doing. It's a principle to live by. And thus in our text, I made this statement that my children have a choice. But I, as a parent, have a command that I am to train them up in the way they should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And we gave the illustration last week that Paul admonished the, right, the folks at Ephesus. He said to them, dads, that you bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And we used the illustration with Brother Richie and Uriah last week. How I asked Brother Richie to bring Uriah up here. He did not send him up there by himself. He did not tell him to go, but he picked him up in his arms and he brought him forward. That is the word picture that we're to do. If we're to bring up our children, the word train up is the same uh, word in the Hebrew for, for bring up. If we're to bring up and train our children, then we've got to go with them. Amen. We can't tell them, uh, do as I say and not as I do. We've got to be an example before them. We have to show them the way they should go. We talked about last week about we need to bring them up in the way of salvation. I believe our children need to be saved. But I believe our moms and dads need to be saved. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Then last Sunday night we dealt, we ought to train them up in the way of separation. Our children ought not to look like the world. They ought to be different. Not because we're better than they are, but because God's been gracious to us to give us a Bible and to give us a church and to give us principles to raise our families by and we ought to separate them and not throw them to the world but we ought to do like Amram and Jochebed and build an ark of safety put them in that written word slime it with the propitiation and with prayer and watch God take care of our babies this morning though I want to take a further step and I want to deal with we ought to train up our children in the importance of the sanctuary. 
Just like Brother Tony was testifying, I'm glad I have my family in church this morning. Mark Wheeler said, and you young families pay attention to this, the greatest days of your life is when you can put your kids in a car and ride the church together as a family. Those are the greatest days. And I'll tell you this morning, I'm glad my family's not on the ball field this morning. I'm glad we're not at the lake this morning. I'm glad we're not at some dumb family reunion this morning. I'm glad we're in the house of God with the people of God singing the songs of Zion, worshiping with the saints of God. The Catholic Church boasts in this statement. They say, give us a child to the age of seven and he'll be a Catholic for life. If the Catholic Church and all their demonic doctrine believe that, sadly in our good old-fashioned Baptist churches, many parents don't even get their children to Sunday school. Amen. If preaching kills it, it needed to die a horrible death, all right? I'll tell you this morning, it's so important in the day that we are living in to bring our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and get them to the house of God. Amen. Children learn by example. How do you think they learn how to walk and talk and eat? They learn by watching and by seeing. Hey, mom and dad, that goes to you. But grandma and grandpa, that's talking about you too. Aunts and uncles and brothers and cousins and everybody. That involves all of us setting an example. Hey, church member, these little babies we love around here, it is our responsibility to set an example that this place is not an option. This is not just something we do occasionally, but this is our life. This is what we live for. Hey, man, I go to bed on Sunday night waiting for Wednesday night. I go to bed on Wednesday night waiting for Sunday morning. Why? Because this is the house of God. And so we ought to train up our children in the area of the sanctuary. For our illustration, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And I want to use the little family Elkanah and Hannah and Samuel as an example of raising our children in church and raising our children in the house of God. We find a great example of this principle. And let me say this this morning. I'm going to say some things that might be hard to receive, but for the sake of your children, I wish you'd listen and I wish you'd heed it. I want to say three things about this little family in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we'll refer to some verses in the text in a moment. But I want to say, first of all, I see the dedication of his parents. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 2. The, uh, verse number 1, now there was a certain man of Ramath Zerim of the Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Toa, the son of Zoph and Ephratite. And he had two wives. Time out right there. God's allowance is not God's approval. God may allow him to have two wives, but God didn't approve of him having two wives. In fact, his first wife was Hannah. The reason he married a second wife is because Hannah was barren. He didn't want to wait on God. Most people get in trouble in their marriage when they won't wait on God. And the name of the one was Hannah. That's the first one. And the name of the other was Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. But even though Elkanah made some mistakes, watch what he did. He wasn't a perfect man. He had some faults in his life. But you know what he did? This man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts. So I said, preacher, only went to church once a year? No, that was the custom of the Jews. They had certain uh, feasts where they would go up to the tabernacle to worship God. And this man was a faithful man. 
them. I notice, first of all, they were present in the house of God. Hey, moms and dad, if we're going to emphasize raising our children in the house of God, then we better be in the house of God ourselves. We better make sure that we're present in church. Somebody said, preacher, I'm here today. I understand that, and I appreciate you being here today. But I tell you, I want you to be back tonight, and I want you to be back Wednesday night. Hey, well, not this Wednesday night. We're not having church, amen. But you understand what I'm trying to say. I want you to be faithful to the house of God. The yearly sacrifice was the custom. When it was time to worship, Elkanah had his family down at the house of God. Watch this now. It was daddy getting them to church. Daddy looked at him and said, it's time to go to the tabernacle. Hey, dads, I know, I, I, I know sometimes with work schedules and swing shifts, things of that nature, you may not always be able to do that, but I tell you, you ought to make sure your family's in church. You ought to make sure you take the initiative to lead your family. You ought to be the first one up on Sunday morning. You ought to be the first one up getting the, helping get the family ready, amen, leading your family to the house of God. They were present, amen. Secondly, they were prayerful. Hannah, what was she doing in these verses? Verses 9 through 13. She was in a sorrowful spirit. And she began to pray that God would give her a child. In fact, she was praying for Samuel long before he was ever seen. She was praying for Samuel long before he was ever here. And I want to tell you this morning and make this application. If you don't pray for your children, who will? If you don't carry the burden for your children, why would you expect somebody at the church to? Why would you expect, I do carry a burden for our children, but don't misunderstand me. But if you don't care, why should I care? Oh, may God help us. Hannah prayed with directness. She prayed desiring. She prayed with desperation in her soul for her children. Hey, we ought to pray for our children's salvation. We ought to pray. It's not too early to pray that God save them. Amen. Amen. I guess, I guess, uh, little, little Olive this morning is the youngest in the building, but it's not too early. And whatever the Hensons are going to have, a boy or a girl, it's not too early to begin to pray for their salvation. Amen. You start, Hannah was praying for Samuel before she even conceived him. Shows the desperation of her prayer. Say this, they were present, they were prayerful, but this couple, they had the right priorities. They went every year. They didn't go if they didn't have. They didn't go to church because they had nothing else to do. Amen. I know we got a faithful crowd here this morning, and so this ain't going to mean much to you, but may it just be a reminder to us all that church should not be optional. It shouldn't be when you feel like it. It shouldn't be when you want to. Can I say this this morning? Unless you're puking or got COVID, you need to be in church. Amen. Well, I've got a headache. Well, you know, I've had headaches before, and you never knew about it, but I had to get up and preach anyway with it. Somebody get an amen out of that, and I don't get, I don't get a, I don't get a pass because I don't feel good today. Y'all are expecting me to be in my place. What's well, a two-way two -way road, Jack? I'm expecting you to be in your place. Amen. Well, I don't feel good. Well, ain't nobody feeling good. Have you seen who's president? Ain't nobody feeling good. Amen. I understand physical maladies, but I'll tell you, some people are just sissies. Amen. Some people are just sissies. You need to grow up, Bubba. Amen. I'm telling you, uh, be faithful in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, you know, take ibuprofen, get your Bible, and shout the victory and go on. Amen. I'm just telling you, you ought to be faithful. Unless you're puking or you got COVID. And, of course, everything, COVID. Hey, ain't it great now? COVID just disappeared. And he, you don't even got to stand six feet from nobody anymore. Some of y'all still don't want to get close to me. Amen. But I'm just telling you, I, I'm telling you all to be faithful to the house of God. 
have the right priorities. Daxon's wanting to play ball. And, and if we can work it out, of course, the first week of practice, he's out of town. The first game, we're, watching, we're at the Braves games. I don't know how all that's going to work. But I was reading this morning, they said they play mostly Mondays and Tuesdays. But then if it rains, I have a makeup game on Wednesday. And I'm going to serve you now. If he plays ball, he ain't playing Wednesday. And I'll tell the little overweight coach that myself. Because all little league coaches are overweight. Amen. I'm just telling you this morning. I'm just te- I am too. Don't look at me like that. Amen. I'm just, that's why I'm going to be a little league coach. Amen. I'm just telling you though. My boy ain't playing ball. Hey, here's the thing. You know, travel ball. I don't get that. Your kid ain't that good. And we ain't got no travel ball players in here, but I'm talking about all them other people, all right? Your kid ain't that good. Hey, man, your kid ain't going to make the major leagues. Have you heard of the Dominican Republic? <laughs> they have better ball players. They, hey, man, name five, name five ball players from in the state of North Carolina that's come up in the last year or so. Ain't nobody. You got Ronald Acuna, Ani Osby's. They ain't from Raleigh. Somebody help me, all right? That's all right. Hey, I don't care where they're from. I don't care if they speak English, say million and home run. That's all I need them to do, all right? But I'm telling you, we got parents. I ain't never seen a kid sign up for travel ball. You know kids don't sign up for that? Mom and dad do. Because dad wants to relive the glory days because he was too sorry of an athlete to make it himself. Hello! And couldn't make it himself, so he wants to live out the dream in junior. Amen. I'm just telling you. And, and what they're doing, they've even ruined a good sport for kids. And they run them four and five hundred miles on the weekend and play three and four and five games a day. The major leagues don't even do that. And they're making the big money. But parents will run from here to Slingshot China to get their kid to every tournament. But they wouldn't get them to Sunday school. They wouldn't get them to church. They wouldn't get them to Bible school. They wouldn't get them to revival. And I'm telling you, one day they're going to step back and realize they have failed. Amen. Your your child should not be involved in anything that's going to take them out of church on the Lord's Day. I played one ball game on a Sunday in my life. But it was between church and my, and my daddy's still mad about it. And I probably shouldn't play. It was a championship game for our little league. And the game started at 3 o'clock and was over at 5. And I didn't miss Sunday school, Sunday morning, or Sunday night. Now, I was dead tired on Sunday night. And we won the championship, I will say. But I'm just telling you, it still wasn't right. Looking back on it, we shouldn't have done that. Amen. Amen. This is, this is, not, this is not the Lord's hour. It's the Lord's day. Amen. I know that ain't popular. But here's what you're doing. You're telling your kids, well, we go to church as long as we don't have something else going on. You've got to have the right priorities. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you this morning, I'm telling you, they had the right priorities, but they had the right praise. Elkanah brought sacrifices. In 1 Samuel 1, uh, chapter 2, verse number 1 through 10, Hannah begins to pray, and her praying breaks out in praising. She begins to praise God. She begins to glorify God. You know who's standing there seeing all that? Samuel. Do you know children are easily influenced? This little fellow right here is prime example. Who's your favorite baseball team? The Atlanta Braves. Who's your favorite football team? Do you like the Dodgers? Do you like Alabama? You know why? Because I like Georgia, and I like the Braves, and I despise the Dodgers, and I despise Alabama. You know why he likes the teams I like? Because I've influenced him. 
He, he, he loves baseball cards. That's his thing now. I go every Saturday night and I buy him a pack of baseball cards and we sit down and we'll go through them all and all that stuff. I, you know why he likes that? Because I like that. You're influencing your kids. You know why Uriah loves ball? Because you love ball. You know why he likes beating up on people? Because you like beating up on people. Amen. <laughs> oh, Uriah, he's either going to be a preacher, a ball player, or an MMA fighter. One of the three. And if you feel kid, you can do two of the three. All right? But anyway... They, they're influenced. And we, we're saying that tongue-in-cheek, okay? We understand. They're influenced, all right? I, bless his heart, Uriah will probably be a Viking fan. Bless his heart. Amen. We'll have to pray for him. But I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's an influence. Have you influenced your children for God, though? I thought about that. My boy's a big Braves fan, a big Dogs fan. But we live for God because of what he sees in my life. I mean, I took him to Sanford Stadium and we met the coach and the quarterback. I'm going to take him to, to the Braves game in September and pray that we can break up another coach's meeting somewhere and not get arrested. I'm going to take him to all those places. But I'm also going to take him to church. And I'm going to take him to camp meeting. I'm going to take him to revivals. Amen. I tell you, I want to influence them. Well, I just don't get in all that. They see you get mad in traffic. Amen. They see you scrolling on your phone. They see you watching TV. They see you get excited about temple things. But have they ever seen you get excited? Have your children ever seen you go to the altar? We find the dedication of his parents. But secondly, there's the decision that was personal. You see, Samuel was eventually taken to the temple, to the tabernacle, to live. We've already alluded to this in the text. But at the end of 1 Samuel, when, when Hannah brings him to the temple... She wanted her son's life to revolve and be involved with the house of God. We note that though this was Hannah's desire, as Samuel got older, he still had a decision. You know what he did? He decided to stay. We learn from studying these first three chapters of 1 Samuel and really through all Samuel's life that Samuel had a genuine desire for God. I understand that our children can grow up and leave the church. That's a sad reality. Some of us may face one day, and I hope nobody in this building does. But their decision to leave will not be because their mother and I did not do our best to let them know that there is no better place in the house of God. I'm telling you this morning, he decided, decided to stay. He decided to serve. Not only did Samuel stay in the house of God, but he got involved. Got involved. He went, I wrote this down, he went from attending to being an attendant. He went from just going to that's where his life was. I'm glad these kids around here, they, they like coming to church. They like being in Sunday school. They like to preach. I know they get loud and I know, I know, they get, I know they're rambunctious and all that. Look at their preacher. Amen. And, and when they get, you gotta, you got to go deal with them. It's like my wife has to deal with me, and then we try to do better, don't we, kids? We try to do better. Amen. But what I'm saying is, I want our, chi I want our children to be in the choir. Amen. They need to learn how to stand up there and sing. They don't need to be running around. They need to learn how to stand there and sing. And that takes teaching, and that takes time, and that takes training. But you know how they learn that? You say, hey, here's how we hold a book. And we stand, and we sing. We don't sing to the wall. We don't sing to the back. We sing. We teach them. We train them. Just like you teach your children. This is how we hold a pencil. Amen. This is, this is how we hold a spoon. 
When we feed Judah, I started giving her a spoon so she knows that a spoon goes with food. She's seven months old, but I wanted to learn. When you get a spoon, it's time to eat, not time to hit somebody. Amen? Learn to serve. Get involved. We teach them that. You've got to teach your children that you bring a Bible to church. You, you don't bring an iPad. I have an iPad somewhere. I used to own an iPad until Sattler got it. I'm back to paper now. Amen? But, but, but we, uh, you teach it, you bring a Bible to church. I bet he's got it right now. You bring a Bible to church. Amen. Well, I have it on my phone. That's not the same. That's for when you're riding down the road trying to look up a verse. You just scroll up on your phone. That's not texting. That's reading the Bible. And I have been known to be driving to a meeting and lay my Bible on the steering wheel and be studying while I'm driving. Don't look at me like that. Eric's over having a heart attack, all right? I've done that before. You don't know what I want. You don't even know what I want to do. What I, you don't even know what I did yesterday while I was driving home yesterday. I, that's, I ain't going to tell you that story. I do a lot of things while I'm driving. I'm multitasking. I don't have time to stop, amen. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I had to, had to work on a couple of things. I'm just driving and working on things, amen. Why? I mean, I, I'm three hours. Might as well use my time wisely, amen. Wasn't nobody else out there, amen. I'm just telling you. He decided to serve, get involved. He decided to be steadfast. Here's what I mean by that. Nobody else in that tabernacle was doing right. Eli was a backslidden preacher. Hophni and Phinehas were, were backslidden priests committing fornication in the house of God. But you know what Samuel did? Samuel said, I'm going to keep serving God despite what other people do around me. Well, I don't know where he got that from. Could it be he watched his mama live in a bad relationship with two women in the house? And that pain she suffered through. And he watched how his mom was steadfast. He watched how she was faithful during difficult times. Hello. They're watching you. They're watching us this morning. Sattler gets on that iPad and he'll watch preaching all day long. He'll watch Brian McBride. He'll watch Davy Shelton. He's got, he actually watches me now. It's a blessing. The other day I heard him say, This is a song of degrees. He's been watching those messages I've been preaching recently. He, I mean, he's got it memorized. I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. We find that there is a, the dedication of his parents, a decision that was personal. But there's the definite prophet. I'll give you this and I'm done. Was it worth raising their son in the house of God? Did it profit anything? Well, it was at the house of God that he was introduced to the Word of God. One night the light it went out in the church. 1 Samuel 3. Samuel's laying there in his bed and he heard, Samuel... He thought it was Eli. So he ran in there and Eli said, I didn't call you. Samuel. He ran back there and Eli. He's like, I didn't call you. Samuel lays back down. Samuel. Finally, Eli says, that, Eli, the, the great man of God, that might be the Lord. <laughs> you know where Samuel heard God's voice? Wasn't on the ball field. And it wasn't at the lake. It wasn't at the family. You know where Samuel heard God's voice? He's down at church. It's where he heard the voice of God. He was introduced to the Word of God. He got involved in the work of God. We've already alluded to this. The Bible said, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child. The word minister means to serve. That's why I like watching them boys back there open up the door. They're ministering. They're serving others. I don't mean to pick on Sattler, but he is mine. You brag on your kids' views up here. I'm going to brag on mine. We all know Sattler's battles, but if he sees Miss Sherry coming, am I right? He will hit that door. If Charles is laying out on the job, 
He will, if he sees Steve pulling in and Charles ain't out there, he'll go get Charles, won't he? Why? Even as a, he don't know, he's ministering. He don't even know it. He ain't saved yet. He's ministering. Y'all teach our kids at an early age to serve others. Amen. You know, we let them take up change. That's part of teaching them. Because these boys one day are going to be ushers. In fact, if they start getting more money, we're going to let them be the ushers all the time. I mean, who wants... My daddy at his church, all the ushers are young kids. He said, why would I want four ugly men trying to take up money? I want the cutest kids in church to take up the offer to get the most money. That's pretty good logic. I mean, if we get, we'll get these little girls around here, and Lord, we'll build four fellowship halls. I'm just telling you, all right? Amen. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. They got involved. And then he was identified with the worship of God. First Samuel 1 Samuel 1.27 Hannah said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also if I lend to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he, who's that he? Samuel, as a child, he worshiped the Lord there. I could preach a message on that, I might. But our kids need to learn how to worship. You know how they're going to learn how to worship? Watching us. I like watching them little hands go up. And they don't even know why they're doing it. But that's all right. Some of y'all know you ought to and you don't do it. Shame on you. I hope the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits and you die scratching your outfit. God been good to you and a little child that ain't even saved yet and don't even know God. Raise their hand and sing. And them kids always going to the altar. Well, they don't need to be down here playing. They ought to be down here praying. Instead of you getting that, instead of being critical of a child going to the altar, that must mean you never go to the altar. Hey man, I know mine's, I've had to get on the mind when we're in the altar. Hey, we don't play down here. We don't run around. Hey man, we, we, we come down here and we pray and we go back to our seat. Hey man, why don't you come out here and pray for them? Hey man, parents, you see your kid come down here, go down there and pray with them. That'll help them get back to their seat. Hey man, I'm just telling you, we ought, to, we ought to train them. And then he was important to the will of God. Here's what it says about Samuel. And boy, this is an interesting. Interesting thing about Samuel. I'm done. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And here's the interesting verse. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. I don't know what all that means, but I don't think I've had that type of ministry. It's pretty good right there, ain't it? And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. You know what they said? That's God's man. You know where it started? All them great preachers started as children. All those great Christians started as little ones. The Bible said, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Can I tell y'all a, a, a little illustration I'm done? And I hate stories that make the preacher the hero. I heard enough of that here recently. I heard a guy recently preach on being a blessing, and he proceeded to tell everybody how he had been a blessing. <laughs> but can I give you a little illustration? And I, I just don't take it to sound like I'm bragging. These boys getting up here preaching. I used to do that. When I was their age, I had my own pulpit. It's back there. I had my own pulpit. My papa built me a pulpit. The Rock of Ages missionaries back then had red hankies. They all way way. And I had a red hanky. I mean, I had a red sport coat. Oh, it was the 90s. 
And we had a neighbor named uh, Elbert Austin. I have a thing for guy, old men named Austin, I guess. I had Mel Austin and then Elbert Austin. Elbert was our landlord. I say he was our landlord. He found out Dave was a preacher. Dave just started Rock of Ages. Uh, had a single wide trailer. He paid $20 for a guy to move from Atlanta to Cleveland, Tennessee. And the only reason he paid $20 is because Gene Hooker told him, so you ought to at least give him some gas money. That I should tell you how long ago it was for him to bring a trailer, and Daddy gave him $20 for gas, how long ago that was. And uh, Daddy was trying to find a piece of property, and right around he saw this piece of property, went and knocked on this man's door and said, do you know who owns this property? He said, well, I do. Daddy said, would you be willing to rent it? He said, I'm a preacher. I'm moving here to work with Rock of Ages. And he said, I'm not willing to rent that out. And they said, that's no problem. They walked away and the guy said, hey, did you say you was a preacher? Daddy said, yes, sir. He said, you say you was with, he said, you know Ed Ballou then? Daddy said, yes, sir. He said, I know Ed Ballou. And uh, he said, look, I won't rent you this side. He said, I'll rent you over here. It's got its own septic and water. They said, well, how much? He said, $50 a month, good. So we moved over there, and Elbert was a saved man, but his wife had got killed in a train wreck, and he got bitter at God and quit going to church. We moved 200, 150 miles from my grandparents, and I'm three, four years old. I hate telling this. But every day, Elbert get home from work, I'd go to Elbert's house, and I'd preach to him. I'd set up my little pulpit, and I'd preach to him. And Elbert went to the lake on Sundays. I don't remember none of this. But they said I'd look at Elbert and say, you ought to quit going to the lake on Sunday and go to church. Apparently, I was confrontational then, too. <laughs> Every day, I'd, I'd go up there and preach. He, my, he used to, my daddy would go up there, my mom would give me the check to take up or pay the rent, and I'd come back and be ripped up in my hand. He wouldn't take it. Finally, one, one day, he uh, stopped daddy in the driveway. He said, hey, he said, you tell Joshua that uh, I found a church up there next to the lake. He'd go to church, he'd drive up there to the lake on Saturday, fish all day Saturday, get up, go to church Sunday morning, drive home. Daddy preached a revival in Cleveland about five years ago. You know who was sitting on the third pew? Albert Austin in church. Not bragging on me, okay? Please know that. But God used a little child, I don't even remember it, to touch somebody's heart. And he got in church, and I, to God be the glory, okay? I'm not bragging on me, okay? I don't remember what I said. Probably half of it was wrong. But don't discount what a child can do for God. Don't discount that. God, it wasn't me. God, God just used somebody to say, God, hey, we're all supposed to be witnesses, ain't we? I wasn't even saved then. I am now. Some of y'all think I'm saved, but I am. But God touched his heart. You don't know, raising these kids, you don't know whose heart they might touch. You know, they may not take, come on, Brother Matthew, they may not take a track from you. There ain't too many people going to turn down a little kid and a gospel track. I don't care how mean they are. Man, it's the meanest. They'll, they'll take a gospel track. May God help us to raise our kids in the house of God and be faithful. Y'all understand I ain't bragging on me. I hate stuff like that. You understand. You understand that. But I'm telling you, God can use anybody that'll be willing to let God use their life. Let's stand together. I appreciate your attention. May God help us to train up our children in the way of the sanctuary in the house of God.